Have you ever thought to yourself, why can't she just say what she mean and mean what she says? Or, I can't believe I just asked her one question and she gave me a mouthful. Hey, I'm just not talking about your Filipina mom here. It could be, I mean, it could be you. Or it could be your sister, your ate, even a tita, a grandma, or even your dad. In today's episode, uh, we'll be talking about the three ways that Western, specifically American way of communicating is different from the traditional way of expression. Welcome and thank you for lending me your ear today. I'm one of the Filipino mom hosts for this podcast, Rowan, uh, creator of calamansijuice.com, a platform where I blog, create happiness tools, and provide therapy and hypnosis services for Filipino women. Now you might be wondering why this is important to know, and here's why. In general, Filipinos are known worldwide as being bilingual. We have many companies in the Philippines where they give a lot of our kababayan or fellow men jobs. Uh, many companies here, when you call their customer service, it would be a kababayan or a fellow man answering the calls and uh, you know taking care of helping us take care of business. So it has greatly benefited our economy, if you will, that we are bilinguals. In fact, recently, not too long ago from this recording, I just came back from my six weeks vacation in the island. And, you know, one of the things I noticed is that children, middle class to, you know, the affluent families are speaking more English than ever before. In fact, what's interesting is that my kids who were born and raised here in the States actually speak so much more um, Tagalog than than the kids there from, I'm pointing out, middle class to uh, the affluent families. Um, also, I work as a psychotherapist in one of the mostly dense um, counties for having a 10.5 Filipino-American population, and that's per the 2010 census. So that's Vallejo, if you guys are aware, that's Solano County. Um, and I know that's, that's 2010. We're still up there, um, even to date. Um, and so I have a lot of interaction with um, Filipinos and Filipino Americans in, in my capacity. And it's true that we are bilingual. Um, and when it comes to uh, responding to very concrete, uh, close-ended questions like, uh, do you prefer this or that? Um, it's really easy to provide an answer, right? And um, and most of us do well, but when it entails storytelling, as in when you're in therapy or translating directions or interpreting directions, so mind you, interpreting is verbal, um, um, translating, and then translating is actually written. Um, that's the, the correct definition, they say. Uh, one of the things is to translate. One of the most difficult things is telling jokes, 
Um, I think you I mentioned in our first intro episode that I'm in a I'm in a interracial relationship. So when I tell jokes, it's so hard to translate it in English sometimes. And by the third time that I tried with my husband, I'd say, "Honey, let's just move on to the next joke." And I'm pretty versed in in English, so as you can see. Even if we might not need a lot of us language interpreters because we can convey our messages in English and understand. And that's what I notice. Like if I see someone, let's say a client in therapy and I can't be there to, to speak the language and I ask them, you know, would you prefer be more comfortable to have an interpreter because you're a therapist next week uh, is non-Filipino. And even though I know they really need the interpreter, usually they deny needing a language interpreter. Uh, there are many reasons for that. And um, it's not just pride, it's because, you know, in the Philippines, you know, the good schools, uh, the expensive schools, their mode of instruction is usually in English. And so it connotes that you know, you are schooled, you're educated, or you belong to a cer certain socioeconomic status. And so there's a deeper reason why people deny it or, you know, feel like even ashamed if they would say, yes, I do need an interpreter. Um, but many of us, even if we deny it, is we might need, may not need a language interpreter, but we might need, most of us, many of us, cultural interpreters in our own family settings we find this you know mom speaks english you speak english but in reality we're speaking different languages i call this pinoy love languages i actually wrote a book about this and we'll put that in our show notes if you're interested but there comes there is this growing um conflict in our family system because we're assuming that we're speaking the same languages or language, the English language, if you know, languages if you speak another dialect, when in fact we all need a, a cultural interpreter. So we're saying one thing but meaning the other. Um, so this is the reason why it's the, for the most basic, um, to start with the most basic understanding is to start with the difference between the way the Western American culture communicate versus the traditional way of communication. Now, I want to make sure I contextualize our content today. We're not saying all Filipinos communicate this way, but you might run into someone who still holds a more traditional Filipino way of communicating or expressing even affection. And what I find is that traditional does not imply or dictate that you were born and raised in the Philippines, although this can be very well the case. It is also possible that you were born and raised here and hold those types of uh, uh, way of communicating. Uh, for instance, if you were brought up in a more closed system, closed family system where your mom just hang out with your titos. Um, you're just doing potluck with other Filipinos. You only watch the Filipino show. So, so basically, 
Um, the traditional way, Filipino way, quote-unquote, um, is embedded in you and the, the family system uh, has not been very open to other influences, other cultural influences. So the point is, we are not quick to assume that just because someone is born and raised in the Philippines that they're more traditional. Um, also, another point is, we're not saying that one is better than the other um we culture adapt and culture evolves so in the filipino culture in general there are values are way heavier than they do in the western culture for example you know we it's important for filipino parents that their children are obedient right and for american parents that they're more independent and um also in the filipino culture respect for hierarchy right we have like titles you know, uh, respect for elders versus respect for autonomy or for self-determination in the American culture. Those are just examples. Um, of course, there are some ecological and historical explanation offered, you know, to help understand these, but we're not going to get into that in today's podcast. We are just going to start. So let's begin. Number one difference high context versus low context let me repeat that high context versus low context way of communicating so uh, low context would be the american right saying what you mean and meaning what you say um and this is really comes with the way we socialize um our children so in the american culture if two kids are fighting over a toy you know an adult would come and ask oh who got this toy first right and say pedro said i did so the adult would say well tell juan you got the toy first and so the child usually repeats i got the toy first wait your turn so we're teaching our children the value of using um, verbal expression so that they convey, they can convey um, messages, right? So that's just an example of how we socialize children. Of course, children become adults and we just bring those types of um, patterns of, of communication with us. Compared to the high context, high context rely on a lot of nonverbal cues, uh, reading between the lines, right? So the same scenario, let's say, you know, two kids fighting over a toy. Um, in the high context, for instance, there is uh, the adult telling the other child, look, look at one, you know, uh, look at Pedro is crying. Could you share with Pedro? Um, look, he's crying and he's really, really sad. So in the beginning, um, this is, I'm just talking about the way we socialize our children in a more traditional setting. In the beginning, there is an emphasis on reading cues, uh, reading, uh, teaching empathy is very important. So crying and asking the child to actually share, um, you know, there is this core value that we talk about in the Filipino culture called kapwa, meaning seeing yourself in the other and the other in you. And so you can just see then the way we socialize our children. We're asking them to actually uh, read, 
uh, cues that are uncomfortable someone crying? And um, can you share asking, uh, soliciting empathy and making someone choose an action to sort of pacify and an emotional, especially a strong emotional response. Um, of course, that's not the way we always socialize our children. When Once children um, grow up, there is less uh, narrating from the adult and children in the more traditional setting are sort of like conditioned to read a little bit of a, the nonverbal cues. So I just want to give you an example of a scenario to help understand this concept a little bit better. There's also this concept called pakiramdam, which is called shared inner perception or percipitory sensitivity. I know that's a mouthful, but basically you are able to read someone what they need uh, what they're feeling, what they're sensing, even in the absence of words. Now, it is really not absent of any cues because there's a lot of nonverbal cues. And so that's why it's pakiramdam, it's sensing it. And when um, you go back to my example, when children are conditioned to like read cues and the adults are continually uh, narrating, right? Those types of like, oh, someone is crying. Look, her heart is feeling heavy. Uh, look, she's by herself. Give her this. Um, children in that um, environment actually learn the skill to read nonverbal cues. And in the Western culture, it's more like direct a way of, you know, if you want something, if you need space, you say to the ch other child, I need space. Or if you want mommy to get you some more spaghetti, mommy, I need more spaghetti, <laughs> right? So that's what, how we teach our children. So, number two, uh, difference linear versus circular way of communicating. Linear is like when you ask someone a question, A plus B equals C. Did you go to the bathroom? Yes. Um... Or what is wrong with you? Why are you in Why are you in my office today? Right. So one would say, Well, I'm here in the, your office today because I hurt my knee. Right. So that's linear. Filipinos traditional Filipinos talk in a circle circular way. Um, so what that means is with the same question. They might say, like in the doctor's office, with the same question, what brings you here today? They're like, well, I went to the grocery because my daughter told me to go to the grocery and I was pushing the cart and this lady was, you know, uh, ran me over. I pick up my, you know, I didn't notice I dropped a canned good and so, so forth and so on. And then, so it gets to the point, but it takes a while to, to get to get to the point. There's a circle of a way of communicating. It's like, you know, sharing stories first. And, and of course, that's okay. But that's one of the difference between linear versus the circle, circular way of communicating. I'm sure uh, you can relate, you know, like you talk to mom, <laughs> um, and you ask her a question and she just, you know, talks about a lot of other things. Or uh, like I say in Filipino potlucks, people are talking about 10 different topics at the same time. And our special skill is by the end of the potluck, we're able to 
um, have a close, uh, have had a conclusion for each of those uh, 10 topics is, is just the way we communicate. Um, third difference is, um, this is big, affection through verbal expression versus affection through demonstration. So direct verbal expression would mean saying, I love you, I care about you, so glad you're back home. And then, you know, direct showing of affection would be hugging and kissing. In comparison, traditional Filipino use demonstration or doing. So let's say working two jobs, um, preparing baon, food to go, and it's no secret we have lots of especially filipino women in diaspora in europe many of them are in italy working as domestic helpers these are demonstration of love um giving pasalubong right if you're working you come home you come home like when i was growing up it's like dunkin donuts you guys familiar with that um we don't have a lot of that here in california um but these are two very different way of expressing love and really it's no wonder our children here born and raised here do feel like they're unheard and not seen maybe even unloved because the standard that they're going by um, is the standard of the mainstream culture which understandably so because it's the main uh, stream culture um, you know in exchange for this uh, we have a higher depression prevalence uh, at least in two studies one in San Diego and one actually close to where I live in um, American Canyon where um, our Filipino girls youth I shouldn't say girls they wouldn't want me saying that <laughs> but our Filipino youth have the highest depression uh, prevalence of depression and some of them even suicidal ideation uh, thinking of hurting themselves um, in comparison among all ethnicities and so you know we are truly speaking a different language than our children can understand right so it's it really is easy to understand and you know knowing that there's a difference with the way we communicate the children just don't feel um love or feel like they're enough right and and why parents once children um get to a point where you know they're let's say they're actually needing help with their depression parents filipino parents are bewildered it's like oh I, I didn't even see that coming. I, you know, don't really see you really sad or crying because they're also going by a different standard of showing affection. And to um, bridge this, it takes movement of two parties and we all have to be uh, moving towards curiosity. Like, what is the other person feeling what they're going through why are they doing this um uh, and sometimes we might not answer all those questions and that's okay curiosity is not about just finding concrete answer it's just really 
sensing what the other might be uh, going through, really um, soliciting self-compassion or others' compassion, um, which is sometimes more um, or easier for us to find, and we find it more difficult to apply the same compassion towards ourselves. You know, um, one of the things I mentioned in our first intro episode is that uh, the shamer was once shamed. So if you feel like, you know, you have, um, I know we're always talking about the Filipina mom here, but it doesn't mean it's just her. Um, we're just using that, you know, for a simplistic reason. Um, but when, we, you know, that statement, the shamer was one shame, it allows both parties to externalize the problem. It's not really just you or the family, but sometimes it's the expression of the community as a, as a whole to adapt to, let's say, a threat, a trauma, this threat of colonization, which we have a lot of. Um, what gets in the way is when we really personalize it. And and it's really hard not to do that if someone is saying hurtful words to you. Um, it, it really hurts your heart, right? And Filipino moms are the most generous souls, uh, but they can also be an avid user of taking things too personal. And um, I mentioned in the beginning of this episode of this core value kapwa, which is seeing the other person as you and vice versa. So for a Filipino mom, they always have a part of themselves in their child. Um, I'm going to use the bad fruit, bad tree um, uh, analogy here. You know, in the Filipino language, um, if let's say you have five kids and one kid is deemed as the black sheep, the black sheep sometimes could just be called that or they'll say masamang tinapay. So it's like bad piece of bread or, you know, just bad rotten fruit among a good sample of uh, fresh, healthy, uh, good-looking fruits in a basket. And so it is. it helps to understand that in 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 connection to this sense of kapwa, a Filipino mom may take really take it personal because a bad tree or a bad fruit can only come from a bad tree, right? So a bad fruit can only come from a bad tree in her mind, and so she really takes it personal. And in fact, when one laments, oh, "Okay, I'm going through, let's say, depression," sometimes. Instead of understanding, uh, our Filipino mom might be defensive about it because she's thinking inside, did I do something wrong? I didn't do enough. Why is she feeling this way? And so f- from your standpoint, let's say, you know, as the child, understanding this helps you to have others' compassion, right? And um, uh, Michelle... Gelfand is a a cross-culture psychologist and she studied 33, uh, it's called the 33 Nation Study and has like thousands of people in this study among different cultures. But she found that cultures who are more tight, meaning they follow more social norms or more rigid uh, and using whatever it takes to make sure everybody's doing as they should and abiding by, you know, like, set cultural values and norms 
um, they, she didn't study the Philippines. And so my interpretation that would follow is my own interpretation. So basically, using things such as shaming as a way to control behavior. And, but what she found in that study that uh, the more tight the culture, um, there's more experience of trying to avoid a threat, right? like I mentioned, either historically or ecologically, which when you think about the Philippines, we both have that, like the history of being colonized and even before um, Americans and the Spaniards, we have a lot of um, travelers, I should call, in, uh, in the Philippines, like even the Arabs, the Chinese and whatnot. And ecologically, um, Time Magazine once... Um, deemed the Philippines as one of the most typhoon-visited uh, country uh, in the world. I know I don't know if that's still the case, but at one point, they deemed as, as, uh, as that. So there are that, those threats. And sometimes, um, you know, understanding is power, and it might be a little cliche, but when we understand that certain uncalled behaviors now, such as, you know, talking down to your child and, you know, even spanking in the older times, you know, for when it comes to child rearing, were protective factors long, long time ago. We again activate that self-compassion. We Filipinos are known for, you are known for. And it's true, we do need self-awareness and movement to slowly pivot our mindset to see things differently. Imagine if you were looking at a picture that's lopsided and you always thought that this white cluster of something <laughs> looks like a ghost, right? You probably tiptoe around that picture every time you see it. But then you straighten that picture that's once lopsided and you might be surprised that those cluster of white stuff are simply clouds moving away so you can see the brightness of the sun.